Welcome to the Talent Bubble, a podcast where HR, people ops, and talent acquisition professionals learn from their fellow colleagues in the trenches. We'll hear how they navigated their careers, learn about exciting projects they're working on, and discover the tools they use to get the job done. Learn more at thetalentbubble.com. I'm your host, Brian Mooney, co-founder of jobhoney.io. Today's episode is brought to you by the People Ops Society a private community of active people ops professionals that are working together to share resources, solve problems, and tackle hard decisions. POPS is a new age professional community that provides access to a full library of policy templates and playbooks, an online forum where peers ask questions and discuss best practices, and a catalog of short, peer-led classes available online 24-7. Apply at peopleopssociety.com. All waitlist submissions are reviewed on a rolling basis and new members are being accepted. Join the People Ops Society today and become a member of the movement. The Summer to Evolve is a 12-week series of free content to help recruiters brush up on their skills. Learn from industry thought leaders. And see how technology can help them improve, automate, and evolve their recruiting efforts. And we may even have some surprises for you along the way. I love surprises. So visit thesummertoevolve.com to register for the Summer to Evolve sessions that suit your needs. Because starting June 16th, it's the Summer to Evolve the way you attract, engage, hire, onboard, and retain talent. Jobvite. Recruit with purpose. Hire with confidence. This week's guest in the talent bubble is Rory Lynch. Rory is the head of people and talent at GreenBits. He's held several technical recruiter positions at notable companies like VMware and AWS Elemental. In this episode, Rory shares tons of tactical tips and the incredible story of how he landed his job at GreenBits. This episode is sure to inspire anyone who's looking for a job right now. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Rory Lynch. Yeah, so my first job back in the day um, was as a dishwasher in a restaurant slash bike shop uh, here in town that was kind of like a a mountain bike um like kind of mechanic shop that also doubled as like kind of a gastro pub deal so i started out there as a dishwasher uh and then moved up and was kind of a line cook there through high school wow is that uh is that still around that concept of uh <laughs> yeah it's actually called powerhouse it's uh in haley idaho um which is just you know 10 miles south of where i am now um yeah it was pretty fun i mean it was definitely like kind of forced me to you know I guess there's a lot of things you were, like learn how to do in a kitchen, like just from being like super organized and, you know, being able to context switch really quickly. And also, I don't know, it was cool to just kind of have that job where, you know, to get some, some extra money on the side back in high school, which was pretty fun. I'd love to know, I mean, you're obviously in sort of a, a tech based company today and we'll, yeah. we'll kind of dive into that, but um, your, your actual career path has uh, definitely shown an interest in tech. So can you tell us how that came about? Yeah. So, um, also kind of a small town thing. I got really lucky, uh, in that one of my best friends growing up, um, his uncle started a company here in, in Idaho that was basically a like boutique staffing agency for tech companies. And I'd kind of like grew up around these guys. I really knew what they did. They just thought they were on the phones all the time. And then in college, I, uh, was able to intern with them one summer and it was a straight up kind of cold calling sorcerer role. Um, Definitely, I mean, really lucky and kind of recognizing my privilege, having that kind of a connection just from a, a high school buddy. I think it's a pretty lucky thing to step into. But I ended up making, I think, like three or four placements my first summer and kind of saw that there was really good money to be made in third party recruiting and uh, kind of kept up doing remote recruiting from them for them uh, through college kind of on the side uh, as well. 
And so that's kind of how I got into tech recruiting at first. So I think my first roles were primarily mostly like software engineers and things like that, because you know the fee agreements there are the ones that really pay. Wow, yeah. So what was the, the learning curve for that? Because it's one of the things I feel like, you know, I think I've had this conversation before with a few people is that they don't have the experience to even jump in to do something like that. How do they how do they get it without doing it? So do you remember sort of how you got trained up to, to <laughs> oh, yeah. interview those candidates? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of it was using kind of like um like basically you'd have like kind of senior recruiters like feed you lines when you're on the phone with candidates at first and doing some of that, um, which was like, I don't know, definitely required a lot of concentration. Uh, I definitely, you know, thinking back, had a few conversations where I called just a totally wrong candidate for the role and definitely like wasted some people's time. Um, so I'm like, I don't know. I think that one of the things they did though is they, basically the job was you, you I would search for resumes for a job rec and then call like candidates through a list in their database and I think that they kind of relied on you know me at first having pretty poor sourcing skills and so I kind of got my feet wet with candidates that weren't great fits anyway mm. uh, and then started to get my phone skills that way uh, and you know it's kind of in hindsight like unfortunately it's like a little bit probably a waste of their time but um, I think that in hindsight the only real way to get used to talking to people over the phone and like talking about jobs and things like that and just you know being personable to the point where people trust you to send their resume to a hiring manager the only way to like get good as that I think is really doing it other than you know, maybe shadowing people so you know I've never been a um, like a contract recruiter or anything like that uh, or an agency recruitment I was always kind of in-house yeah um, so I love to hear um, you know I've, I've heard just stories of people talking about uh, a lot of times what they don't like about contract recruiting so I, was, I saw you you had several roles where you were mm -hmm. a contract recruiter and I love to hear something positive about it. What did you love about being a, a contract recruiter? I think one of the best parts about being a contract recruiter is you get exposure to, especially in the places where I worked, which was um, you know, VMware and the AWS subsidiary Elemental uh, in Portland. The best things are you just get exposure, not only to kind of great people at these large companies uh, and kind of just really like kind of well-built organizations, but there's a lot of just processes and policies that you can kind of learn from and, and adapt. Because I mean, if you noticed in my career a little bit, it's I've kind of gone, gone from startup to large company to startup to large company and back again. And I think that um, just working as a contract recruiter at these bigger companies gives you, again, a lot of just insight into kind of best practices. I think that's probably some of the, some of the best parts of it. And also, I mean, candidly, like the money's pretty good too. And you know, for those companies that are potentially looking at bringing on some additional resources, um, do you have any, any tips for, for companies to either find, you know, some contract recruiters or how to maybe find like the right contract recruiter? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do, uh, I think I've actually brought on a contract recruiter and plugging that company, Sage Solutions, they're kind of a spinoff of actually my first company. I think the only way that we were, that, like the thing that was really fundamental to our success as like a partnership there is to really give your contract recruiters as much information as they need to be able to sell, sell your company and sell your jobs well uh, and be like hyper communicative with them. So we made sure to, you know, get this contract recruiter a Greenbits email. Um, we got them in our Slack and we really, you know, introduced hiring managers to them and things like that. And that really helped. Um, because as a contract recruiter, if you're just kind of siloed and like, you know, plugging away at, you know, just like, you know, five or 10 resumes a day or something like that, and like hitting that as your goal without having that communication, uh, it's going to be really hard to stay motivated. And I don't know, I, I like to make sure the people that work with me, like, I don't know, are enjoying it and, you know, successful. And so I think the communication and just team integration is really important. And what, what types of roles have you typically partnered with for like contract recruiting? 
mostly hard to fill ones uh, in like the Bay Area primarily, just because it's so cutthroat. So those are going to be like software engineers and product managers primarily. Can you share the story of sort of how you landed at uh, Greenbits, which is where you currently are? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's actually a good one. Um, so. <laughs> The same guy that uh, brought me to Indonero, um, he's actually going to be the best man at my wedding next year. Uh, he took a job at Greenbits, and I don't know, Greenbits from the outset, it's a pretty interesting company for somebody that had, you know, at that time, no idea really about the cannabis world or the business problems that uh, you need to address there. And so I kind of read more about it, um, saw that it was a really like fast growth industry. And I reached out to the uh, founder, Ben Curran, uh, via email and was like, hey, my, I have a couple of friends that work here. It looks like a really cool company. Uh, I know you're not hiring for any recruiters anytime soon based on your jobs page, but you are hiring for software engineers. So here's like 10 resumes. Uh, I haven't talked to these people and I'm not going to, but I think these would be a good place to start. And I just kind of set up that cadence to do that for like almost like nine months or so. And then the way that I actually got my foot in the door is I heard that they were moving out of WeWork and setting up their own office. And so I, I emailed the, C the uh, CEO again and was like, hey, um, I know you are not hiring for a recruiter, but you are going to need an office manager. And I would love to come in as an office manager, do some recruiting on the side and just kind of keep your, keep your ship running here in Portland while, you know, you kind of grow the team and, you know, maybe help you fill some engineering slots on, along the way. And so I finally bit. And uh, then I, you know, interviewed with some team members here. Uh, then first task was to kind of get an office move done in six weeks, uh, which was kind of terrifying, but really exciting. Definitely learned some things not to do and continued on as an office manager doing some recruiting and then kind of slowly transitioned more into recruiting as, you know, we got funding and more open roles happened and things like that. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome to hear. Uh, <laughs> made him, really made him an offer he couldn't refuse, right? Yeah. And again, like it, it, was, it was great. Like looking back on it, it's almost like if it didn't go well, it almost seemed cringy, right? Like, I think that I was really, like, persistent. Uh, and I think that one of the, like, important things was just, like, like remembering to have the confidence to do that because I think that it was really important. It's kind of the only way that I would have gotten to the place where I am now. Yeah, and, like, the follow-up, you know, I think yeah. that's, like, a, just a big thing is I think people are always trying to find the right balance. Any tips on uh, for candidates to uh, on how they should approach or follow up with uh, with recruiters? Yeah, I'm totally guilty of this as well, by the way. So yeah, it's, it's definitely tough to keep kind of all the balls in the air and make sure that you close every loop, but you yeah. definitely try as hard as you can. Uh, I think the biggest tip is to really like think about who you're reaching out to and what they're trying to solve immediately. Uh, so I think in this instance for like for Ben, when I reached out to him, I was like, hey, like this guy probably is maybe stressed out about, you know, having an office manager manager and like an office move. Like maybe I'll go for that angle. Uh, for recruiters specifically, I think that... Um, you really want to just reach out and be persistent. Um, but I think more than, you know, one or two follow-ups a week can be a lot. I think that um, you really just want to have that relationship with the recruiter where they can really be honest with you because if they're ghosting you and it's not a fit, like it's better to understand that rather than just kind of, you know, have them string you along for a while. So I think just be really diplomatic and, you know, talk to people and be like, Hey, just wanted to check in. I totally understand if it's not like the time to move forward, but uh, either way, I'd love to hear back. Something like that, I think is a, a great note. So you're obviously not uh, the office manager today. Um, so can you, tell us, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about um, how your role has changed over the last couple of years? And I uh, definitely want to dive into maybe some of the things you're working on as well. But can you tell us a little bit about that, that transition to your current role? 
Yeah, so um, I think the transition to my current role was when uh, my former boss, Amanda Shepard, came in to, uh, she came on board and I was actually like out of the country while we hired her. So I really lucked out because she's probably one of the best bosses I've ever had, um, or if not the best boss, but she came to visit our Portland office and I was giving her a quick tour of the office. And I think during that tour of the office, uh, I think five or six people came up to me with like, you know, something that was going on in the office that needed attention uh, relatively immediately. And I was also had probably like, seven or eight phone screens that day. And so I think the first thing she did was like, hey, this isn't gonna work. We need you to focus on recruiting. Um, I appreciate that you are willing to take on all of these jobs, but like, we need you to focus. Uh, and that's kind of spurred me to go to recruiting full time. Uh, and then we brought on, I think we brought on a, uh, we had our executive assistant handle a lot of the kind of more office management tasks. So things like ordering food and, you know, communications with facilities and, and the building managers and things like that. Yeah. And currently right now, um, what's sort of like the biggest challenge that, that you're facing? So I think right now, so I, I recently stepped into this kind of like head and people of people and talent after we, uh, you know, reorged and downsized a bit. And I think the biggest challenge now is making sure that um, I am like kind of doing both functions well. I think that it's really easy, uh, especially when you have kind of HR stuff going on as well as recruit, recruiting, it's really easy to put off things that are seemingly non-urgent, but uh you know, as everyone knows, with kind of like, you know, building talent pipelines and things like that, if you don't put up the work up front, uh, maybe the effects aren't going to be immediate, but, you know, it's going to bite you in the ass like two weeks later when yeah. you don't have any good candidates ready to go. So I think that my biggest challenge now is one, like empowering my team. So I have one employee who kind of was an office manager, but now, you know, in COVID days is transitioning more into a recruiter role. And so making sure she has all the systems and processes to kind of keep things going in the recruiting side, and also making sure that, you know, I'm doing my job as kind of, you know, an employee advocate and making sure that no HR issues get dropped too. Yeah. So it's so important to sort of juggle that like short term, long term. Yeah. And, you know, um, especially when it comes to recruiting, because like you said, I think there's a lot of things like even employer branding is one of the things that, you know, I spend yeah. obviously a lot of my time on totally. uh, next wave. And that's one of those things where it's tough to see the, the value of, of uh, nurturing a talent pipeline or talent community right now when you need to make hires, you know, so it's, it's tough, tough thing to balance. Do you use anything to kind of manage the, I guess, the vision of, of your department? Yeah, so we actually just uh, implemented Lattice, um, and I'm un unashamed, uh, I guess unashamedly a fanboy of it. Uh, it's pretty great. <laughs> uh, I think that um, the tool that we use to basically track OKRs and just, you know, thinking about my department and kind of what we're doing as objectives and key results has been really huge, but we've gotten Lattice adoption through the whole leadership team here at GreenBits, and it's really helpful because you can like track one-on-one -on -one meetings weekly to your goals and make sure, sorry, dog's barking in the background, oh, nice. um, <laughs> make sure that... Uh, you can really make sure that um, just everything is on track and it's got like a nice UI too. And it, you can track your goals up to parent goals and things like that, that just really give people visibility into the business, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. So is, is it, was that a company purchase or was that sort of a, you know, people ops purchase for you? So that was a company purchase. Uh, so we have that, I, I think as far as the budget itself, I think it's coming out of people ops budget, but um, everyone's using it. And what was the most pressing need? Like what was the, the first project you worked on? question so um the timing of this transition so we actually had this layoff uh that happened and then that happened on a monday and then the following friday portland announced that they were basically you know we're shutting down and you know it's shelter in place for a while so i think the first mm -hmm. project was like how do i because a layoff's a pretty traumatic event uh, and we basically you know we lost half of our employees and people that were wow. like really good friends and coworkers. 
and so the biggest challenge there was, you know, how do we kind of rebuild and kind of maintain this and continue this culture when we can't really see or talk to our coworkers or do the normal culture activities that we usually do to foster like kind of teamwork and collaboration. So I won't say that I figured that one quite out yet, but I think we are in some kind of new semblance of normal with, you know, different things like Zoom happy hours and, you know, e-games. And we did like that Netflix party thing where you can have all watch like a, watch a show on Netflix and have a chat going yeah. and, and things like that. And so that was like kind of priority one. Uh, and, you know, also things like learning how to run payroll and making sure that the business is still operating. Uh, is there anything else that has worked well in terms of keeping your team together uh, remotely? There's kind of, there's not really a silver bullet, uh, I will say. I think that one thing that I think is working really well is um, – just making sure that kind of teams and managers feel like they're empowered to do stuff with their activities. Cause I think one of my least favorite like things that can happen at companies is this idea of like forced fun, right? Where like you <laughs> kind of have this event and make people do it and like force people to show up after hours. Uh, because I don't know, it's like, it, it's really hard to kind of make people have fun and kind of dictate what they want to do. So yeah. making sure that people can kind of do activities and collaborate in ways that are work well for their teams, I think is really important. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be the fun police. That's exactly. It's like, why, are, why aren't you enjoying yourself when I specifically <laughs> asked you to? Like, <laughs> yeah. And um, what about any, any other benefits? Or have you uh, changed that up at all? Like, and I, I know like even, you know, some companies are offering like meditation apps or discounts on them or free. So we haven't implemented them yet, but I think what we are going to do moving forward is, you know, some kind of, we've got to figure out the total amount, but like an internet stipend for people that want to continue working remotely or mostly remotely. Mm. Uh, and then potentially like a one-time like desk setup stipend. We haven't actually like formed policies around that yet, but those are some of the ideas that we've been throwing around. Uh, and then another thing that we've been doing, like thinking about too, is that giving managers a, a specific budget for their team every month to just do something with them, be that, you know, a socially distant, like walk somewhere, or like if they want to like go to a cafe and grab a coffee or something like that, making sure that they're staying safe, of course, but just making sure that, you know, managers can, can have some money to spend on their team to, you know, kind of make sure that they still feel connected. Yeah. I've actually heard there's um, uh, virtual escape rooms and stuff. Oh yeah. You can do too. <laughs> um, that might be kind of a, a fun thing to do, you know, one-off kind of fun thing to do some month but yeah i'll uh see if we can find a link to that yeah we actually we another thing we did too i'm just realizing it now is a kind of our own version of mtv cribs um so like people would kind of show off their like house and workspace um i did the first one and it's super embarrassing to watch but that's, i think everyone got a laugh at my expense about it so that's great yeah i mean that's actually really <laughs> funny uh and it kind of opens you know you up to your coworkers in a different way right you know here's yeah. the, when, you're, when we're doing this call or you know video chat or this is the, the space i'm in you know this is my dog totally. or whatever it is you know that's that's pretty cool yeah, and we have a huge dog culture. We had a dog from the office before all this too, so everyone kind of loves seeing pictures of people's pets and stuff, and that's been pretty helpful. Yeah, one of the things I never really thought about is I wonder if the dogs are kind of uh, missing their dog friends. You know? Oh, they totally are. My dog yeah. now has like a ton of separation anxiety too because I, I'm never like away from him, so that's kind of challenging <laughs> to deal with. He's still he's only like nine months, so he's kind of a puppy, and hopefully we can address some of that. Oh yeah, mine's uh, mine's ten, and uh, he's he definitely has huge separation anxiety. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna we're gonna solve that one together. Though. Does he uh, does he like the beach? Oh yeah, loves it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I do want to uh, focus on some of the like, other tools. So you mentioned Lattice is mm -hmm. something you're using. I know you guys use Greenhouses and ATS. Some of yep. you are using like Slack and stuff. Mm -hmm. Are there any other tools that um, you've implemented or, or that are already in place that you, you use quite a bit and maybe you're in every day? 
Uh, I think Gem is the other big one that's missing. Uh, the sourcing tool um, yeah. is like, I, it's amazing. I can't believe I actually did recruiting before using it. It's basically almost like setting up like marketing automation for recruitment, which uh, I love. Uh, and you can definitely, it's a really easy CRM to track and it integrates really tightly with everything else that we use. So uh, I'd say Gem is the other key thing that uh, I think my team is really important to my team. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's just gem.com, gem.com. Yes, gem.com. Yep. Yeah. Are there any sort of guiding principles maybe that you have for the recruitment process? Yeah, there's a couple of them. I think just like substantively, um, like, and like kind of like I, how I like to view recruiting, I think that it's really important for recruiters to be really, really nosy about the business uh, that they're working for. So for me, uh, I've, I've gone as far as like just shadowing like engineering standups and like just really trying to understand specifically what teams are working on because it really helps you sell. Uh, and I think that, you know, when you can talk about like ETL pipelines with data engineers and I, I get, of course, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I can like <laughs> at least, I mean, it's buzzword bingo at the end of the day but when you talk like specifically about like the problems that uh you know your team is working on uh it's really really helpful yeah i love that i mean i, I remember i worked in like organ donation when i first started mm -hmm. i was starting to recruit for this tissue recovery role and i had no idea what any of that meant and uh got to go back and like talk to some of the team and they kind of walk through their process and stuff like that and i think it, it's one it's like it builds a little bit of rapport with totally. the team too like you said it really helps you understand somewhat of what you're talking about yeah, definitely. So I think um, as far as principles, like that's the first one, like be super nosy. Uh, and then the second one too, um, which is like, especially important now that, you know, I'm reporting into the CEO, I don't really have like a direct manager that's going to keep me accountable is like, you hold yourself accountable and build systems in place to allow you to be, you know, allow you to just kind of maintain great candidate experience and great, you know, hiring manager experience with as minimal effort as possible. Um, mm. I think that it's really important to kind of look at data and look at like how things are going in the recruiting process, but it really sucks like ca counting calendar events and manually collecting that every week. And so if you can set up like reports in greenhouse and in gem to just kind of make sure that uh, if you can set that up to be automated, uh, I think, I mean, that's the only way to do it because especially with my job now, I, I don't honestly have a ton of time to spend like, you know, two hours at the end of every week, like figuring out what happened so I can report on it. How has recruiting changed for you now that you're kind of full remote post COVID here or not post COVID? Yeah, or mid COVID, mid -COVID right? Yeah. <laughs> how's, that, how's that changed for you? Uh, so I think one thing that's been really important uh, is to try to do as much stuff with the video on as possible, with like, the, the camera on as possible. I think that, um, Things like in person, like, I don't know, meeting somebody in person is really important, I think, uh, to establish a relationship. And it's hard to kind of get that over the phone. But I think, you know, making sure that you can kind of give people a, a kind of face-to-face -face candidate experience has been really good. Um, one thing that's been kind of tricky is just figuring out um, what the, like, quote-unquote on-site loop should look like. So generally, you know, you have a half-day interview where they meet with team members and hiring managers. And now what we're kind of doing is scheduling almost like a bunch of different phone screens, which it takes a little bit more coordination work, but also it's nice that we're not having to fight over like, you know, fight over real estate in the office or anything like that too. So I think that um, post COVID recruitment has been a challenge for sure, but I, we're definitely adapting. Yeah. Are you getting feedback from the candidates at all um, around sort of like some of the, the, the new process or anything like that? Uh, I actually, that's a, Good question. I have not really been soliciting candidate feedback, but I think that is actually an oversight on my part because I should definitely be asking them how things are going. Um, I mean, generally, like for the people that have made it all the way through the process, it's generally positive, but I'd love to get some kind of, hear some feedback on how we can improve uh, as well. 
Yeah, I ran a comparison yeah. between using sort of video interview, which were, in fairness was pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, those weren't like face-to-face kind of Zoom calls yeah. or anything like that. Um, and a year, it was like almost the exact time frame, like maybe a week off, same position, same manager, same recruiting team. Mm-hmm. And we ran it um, uh, against the year before where we didn't use video. And the actual that applicants had moved forward uh, in the mm-hmm. process was higher when we didn't use video. It was just helpful to kind of get the experience of those people. No, I think it totally would. It'd be interesting because, I mean, we have all that data from all the past recruiting efforts. So I think that like kind of figuring out like how things are going now versus, you know, how they were going and making sure that we control for any other things. Like that's probably a, that's a great idea. Yeah. And you mentioned candidate experience a couple of times now. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to know, like, have you done anything else to maybe improve the, the overall candidate experience on your end? Yeah. And I, like full caveat, this has taken a little bit of a hit since I moved into my new role because I've like kind of frankly overstretched myself a, a bit. But I think that the most important like thing to keep in mind for candidate experience is really comes from like when I have been searching for a job and like my least favorite thing that happens, which is like getting ghosted by a recruiter and not having updates and not clear expectations about what the whole process would be. So I think that like our best tool for creating great candidate experience is making sure people just know what's going on like all the time. Uh, I think that uh, making sure you set clear expectations with timelines for if you're going to review their background with with a hiring manager and making clear expectations for and meeting those expectations just for kind of how long the whole process should take as a whole is Mm -hmm. really, really important. And I think if you're overly communicative like that and you, you know, communicate if there are any delays or things like that, because, you know, it's, it's it's a weird time to be looking for a job and hiring for people for jobs right now uh, i think just coming at coming at it um from a really like overly communicative and human perspective is probably the best tip here what's your experience been have you seen just a, a ton more applicants um, yeah yeah we're getting a lot of applicants right now um because you know unfortunately due to due to covid there's a lot of businesses that are really struggling and having to let go of their employees and so uh, we're getting a lot of applicants, and I'd say that people are generally pretty engaged, and you know, I mean, they're looking for jobs, so they're really, you know, being communicative to get through the process. So, mm. yeah, I'd say overall, um, it's unfortunate, but it's less of a candidate market now. Um, okay. I think the important thing though is to make sure that you don't take advantage of that as a company. Though I still want to make sure we treat everybody as respectfully as possible. If someone wanted to reach out to you and talk maybe more about the different things you talked about today, you know, implementing Lattice, you know, some of the other things mm-hmm. that you mentioned, um, how, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, probably email. Um, full caveat, since I'm kind of on time off right now, my inbox is a little bit hellish, but generally um, I'll respond within 24 hours or so. And my email is just my first name, Rory, R-O-R-Y, at greenbits.com. Well, Rory, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all the information you shared. And I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your time off. Yeah, 100%. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, have a good one and take care. <laughs>